there's also a huge opportunity for women in, in IT and it stems from education and um, behavior and the way that people are brought up. So I'm a big advocate for talking to your kids about technology and um, science early, early on. Hey everyone, this is J.R. Aguda of the jraguda.com podcast, and in this episode of the podcast, my wife, Rocio Aguda, will be here to talk a little bit about IT, what it's like to be a woman in a predominantly male-led field, and uh, what the new era of IT support looks like in the hashtag COVID-19, hashtag coronavirus, hashtag safer at home. Here we go, the jraguda.com podcast. Special guest for today is Rocio Aguda. You might recognize that last name because that's my last name, and she's here, we're stuck at home, so we're just going to talk like we normally do, and then like turn it into a podcast, how does that sound? Sounds great, let's do it. All right, Rocio, I never call you that. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to tell our listeners what you do, and how you've ended up there? Yeah, first of all, I wanted to start off by correcting. We aren't hashtag stuck at home. We are hashtag safe at home. I am an IT consultant for an energy corporation. Uh, I've been there for seven years. Um, I started off as a desktop support um, and then have uh, kind of moved up a little bit. Um, So you've been through the ranks of IT. Uh, quite a bit, kind yeah. Of the rank and file. You've done bit, desktop yeah. support. You've done frontline kind of support. Uh, correct. I've done application support. Um, quite a bit of a little bit of web design development. Um, quite. I, I, honestly, my title is IT consultant. is very general. Um, what I do is not necessarily very specific. I don't do one thing. I do many things. And so, um, I can go into the specifics, but, um, I did want to tell you first of all, how I got there. Yeah. Um, I've been doing it for about nine years now. I used to work for a company called ProSoft technology and I was a marketing assistant kind of. Uh, came up the ranks there too, ended up in being a webmaster. Uh, I was friends with the IT manager at that organization and um, he would joke. He started joking with <laughs> me that I thought, um, hey, when are you coming to IT? When are you going to make the move to IT? And I, I didn't take him seriously because I wasn't really super technical mm. um, or at least I didn't think I was. Um, actually didn't do particularly well in a college course that I took on in computer science. So I just left it at that. I, n- I never really thought of myself as somebody who was super into computers. Um, and I, I still am technically not because that's not technically what I do. So, um, 
although I, I've fixed computers, I've learned how to, um, the c different components and in, in the hardware and, and whatnot, but, um, I'm more of a software person. So if you, like, were you, uh, ever interested in tech at all as a kid or did it, you just it sort of end up on your lap based on the story you just talked about? Um, I, I didn't necessarily have a passion for technology in itself. Um, we didn't really have a lot of technology around. Um, I, I mean, I, I was hands-on a lot with things. I like to take things apart. There was one instance where, um, I had a Walkman and I, I didn't want to listen to it in with headphones anymore. So I found some old speakers that my dad had in the garage and I ended up wiring it to yeah. where I could plug it into my wall. <laughs> so, the, I mean, things like that, but it wasn't something that I was super passionate about. It was just like, you know, I want to make this work. And, and I've been interested in, you know, how things work and, and um, that's about it. Yeah. So in, in, in the nine years, you said nine years? Nine in years. IT? So in the nine years of IT, what are you so it's obviously you've, you've been in it for a little bit and uh you're in it you're staying in it because you are somehow passionate about it which is definitely now yeah. i i think i've learned to grow um a passion for it um just being working in this field um now for many years i i am really passionate about technology and um what, what it does what elements specifically about let's say like uh, working with tech and with the people that you support makes you uh, get up in the morning the fact that technology is here to make our lives easier um, technology is here to help us communicate easier to be more connected to do our jobs easier um, it really is a facil facilitator um, and then I, I'm, I really enjoy helping people. So as part of, you know, my whole life, uh, I started working in customer service for many, many years. And so I've always grasped to the methodology of customer service and the customer being first. And um, it's kind of just the way I think. It's the way I've, it's been ingrained in my mind because that's how, that's what I did for a living um, or through school. And, and that's how I got myself through school. Um so I, I'm very customer focused. So part of my passion is helping people and helping people learn and understand technology and providing them tools. Um, and so you are in a, uh, a field, in an industry that is predominantly led by men. And I, I can even, I probably can only count on one, on a couple of fingers, the number of women I've worked with in the IT department. How does that make you feel? And what are you... I'm very supportive of other women being in IT. I'd like to see more. Um, I think there there's just a lot of reasons why there aren't women in IT. Um, some of those that do bum me out. I see them myself and they are discouraging. But there's lots of opportunity for women in IT. I think women in, in IT are great. I've seen women work in infrastructure in operations in help desk telecommunications and i've even worked for a female cio i think it's great i think we um add a different perspective also a huge opportunity for women in in it and it stems from education and um 
behavior and the way that people are brought up. So I'm a big advocate for talking to your kids about technology and um, science early, early on. Yeah, I know. Like when when our our niece was born, Kate, like the first thing you decided to give her. I, I didn't even think about this. That was really awesome. Like we gave her based on what you found and what you thought was cool, uh, a baby book on JavaScript. Was it JavaScript? It was JavaScript. Java- it was JavaScript for babies. I gave her HTML for babies, CSS for babies, and quantum physics, I believe. Um, <laughs> but let me tell you a story about how I found out and it kind of how I got this idea. I've been to a few different tech conferences throughout the years, and the last two times I've been particularly to a Gartner conference, they've had these roundtables and these luncheons, particularly on women in IT. And at one of those luncheons, they had uh, one of the authors of, I believe it was the um, JavaScript for Babies. And so they talked about these books and I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. This is wonderful. And um, I don't have a daughter myself, but I will make sure to get them for people who um, have girl babies. And I've done that. I, I don't think my niece is the, the only yeah. person that I've gotten them for. I've got some for um, my friend Aaron who has twin girls. So, yeah. What is uh, what is some important advice you'd give to say our niece Kate or your friend's daughters or, you know, any, any woman or girl you can think about, um, it, it, you know, that is interested in tech? What would you tell them? That it's not a gender role. Um, you know, being techie uh, is not something that comes with being male or female that it's open to anybody the opportunity is there there are some things that are discouraging about it because of the traditional gender roles Um, but there's a lot of opportunity it is the future there's more than just fixing computers and writing code there's a plethora of things that you can do Um, I'm a a good example about of that that's awesome thanks for that there's um, that's uh, there's this concept in education, and everybody uses the buzzword "21st century learning," because um, it's this idea, this concept that uh, uh, the tools that we use um, are very much related to the work that we're doing and the way we communicate. Just like you said, so um, a uh, like an educational researcher. I don't think he's a researcher. I think he's just a writer. Um, but he, a guy named by the name of Mark Prensky, co- coined this term called uh, uh, a digital native. And for kids, in first in the in the uh, environment that I work in and the industry that I work in in education, um, is that we as teachers have a similar bent, like a similar passion to uh, ensure that our students. Um, are able to use those tools and communicate with those tools because that is the the that is the environment that they're in and they're born into it right like you and i can probably remember a time when we didn't really have access to a computer i Absolutely. remember yeah i was nine when i first got when my dad first brought that packard bell into my house i would say i was my sister, my oldest sister was in high school, so I could have been maybe 13, 14, um, although I didn't really touch it much because it was her computer. Um, but yeah, I was introduced to computers. Yeah. That time. 
so there's this uh, in the very similar bent uh, uh, concept that we are supporting end users with giving them the ability to access those tools and the and then also the training to be able to be productive with those tools so how has like i know we're both working from home now and how has the covid coronavirus hashtag safer at home how has that affected your work and what you're doing um related to this passion about um supporting your your end users and your organization it's definitely gotten de more demanding um in in a sense in a different sense where um i had begun uh, a journey where i had uh, pitched this new um position a really new role to my organization um where i wanted to lead the technology adoption initiative um because what i had observed in our organizations we have we facilitate a, a plethora of tools uh, doing campaigns for technology adoption so everybody started working from home that there was a, a more of a demand for uh, the, the adoption tools so learning tools self-help tools um, all sorts of stuff how-to guides training guides um, and they yeah, now all of a sudden IT is distributed and no longer like around the corner or in the second floor right so they're forced in a sense, to learn how to use these tools to work remotely. Um, and so there, there's more demand now for yeah. the, the learning material. It's interesting you say, I think that's a pitfall in a lot of like IT, um, especially um, this new age of, I, I don't know, I, I don't, I've, I'm fairly new to IT, but at the same time, I've been in other organizations where IT was a, uh, a fix it kind of thing that the, their main job was fixing it or making sure things work it's almost like the sound guy at a church is like when the things are working fine you forget about the sound guy but the moment there is something that a microphone doesn't turn on and there's giant feedback everybody looks back at the sound guy and it's like most popular is, yeah he's angry at the sound <laughs> guy um and there's not like so much like um a systemic connection between what the IT department does and what the organization as a whole does. I know that at least from other educational organizations and churches that I've worked for that IT is like it's it's like a fix it thing. So coming into uh, uh, this time in COVID where we're all just all separated, it, we have to take a new strategy to be able to um, provide these tools, but not just to drop it in people's laps like we normally do, like a way to like get them to adopt so can you describe a little bit of what's been successful in your in getting people to adopt these tools that they're probably not they didn't realize they needed until now yeah um step-by-step -step guides a lot of emails a lot of how-to um user facing so uh, internal internal yeah. sites um that are more marketing our products um, for the organization and for the end user. Um, but the key has been to speak to them in a way that they understand. So converting these guides and these how-to um, material into something that they understand. Um, so really taking it down to that level um, and providing them with 
pictures and the verbiage that they understand. Um, so that's been is really that, is successful. Is that really time consuming to have to do? Um, not particularly for me. Um, I think because you put systems into place to make that more efficient. And um, I think what's more time consuming for me is getting material from other people who are not so much or who, who, who what I'd like to say is <laughs> who speak very technically. And so kind of translating that into um, understanding it one myself, if it's something that I don't particularly work with and then turning it into something that anybody will yeah, understand. Yeah, very nice. So you, you talked about uh, the customer service piece of um, IT. Um, in terms of like now switching to completely remote and then we're just on the same thread of talking about getting people to adopt um, how has uh, communication shifted in IT? We're seeing more of a need for um, IT in general to have soft skills. Uh, I don't, I w well, maybe I should start by saying there, there's always been a need, I think. Um, but now more and more, this is coming to be something that's necessary. Because we're communicating in different forms and different platforms. Yeah, it's and... not going to work anymore where you just send someone a support article. Right. You kind of like need to market. You need to push a brand. You need to convince in a way, right? Yeah. And th and that's quite a bit of uh, surrounding what I do, actually. Um, we, I think as IT, we have um, an opportunity to market for ourselves. We have products. Um, we have software, we have a lot of tools that we provide the end user and, uh, you know, let's make them into digestible content for them. Yeah. So are you like, what types of media are you using? Is it just, because uh, the traditional is the knowledge base and, you know, everybody goes back to a knowledge base. Uh, but even then, the knowledge base needs to be differentiated. It needs to be like some of the knowledge base has to do with support articles that are related to tech and have a different type of lingo versus the knowledge base for the end user. You know, they don't want to be seeing things that you're coding in Linux. They want to right. just know how it works. So what what other ways? Uh, I know that in our organization, we're trying to like incorporate more video, at least on the end user side to support them. What are you, what are you guys doing? We're really like flyers, emails, marketing material that, that really um, is very short, concise and to the point and um is not super technical and it won't lose people's interest so it's kind of cool it actually is like um taking the stereotypical it dude that just like comes in scoots you out of your chair and then just works on your computer to someone that could be a little bit more can take those same skills be more creative and then um deploy you know they're essentially turning it into teachers yeah, that's correct. And you would be surprised at how many IT people have some creativity that's hidden in there that they don't necessarily get the opportunity to flaunt. Yeah. <laughs> and and so we're seeing a lot of that. Um, and it's great. So the byproduct of that, if, if you like take it to its final end, is that when you do what you're doing, uh, use soft skills to communicate strategies, tips, uh, solutions, etc., to your user base, they learn how to do these things. The theory is that the tickets probably come in less because they're now solving. They're they're doing uh, self help. 
um, they're sort of solving their own issues. Right. That's the idea. Yeah. yeah. And that sort of like eases the load of IT to be able to have all of us uh, use our brain power to, to solve, you know, heavier tier. Or innovate. Or, in, or innovate. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We, um, my IT department, we, we um, went on this uh, journey to just, just create as much content as possible. And we spent, I remember we spent a whole summer um, meeting to just create content. And now that we have all this content, we are running, we're now running into the issue, well, that sort of, sh- uh, the whole COVID-19 threw a wrench in that, but we were running into this issue while we were all still on campus of people not using knowledge base and still sending mm. email or email or tech tickets in. And we wanted to build this culture of reaching, you know, having someone ask a question and then being able to know where to find it. Are, are you guys finding that is an issue or are you starting to turn the tide there on that? I think it's a slow pro- process. I think it's something that may take a little bit more time. Um, but yeah, we're, we're seeing the similar. Um, I have one, one more question, I think. And it's sort of related to... Um, maybe we'll we'll, t- we'll shift gears and, and talk about a little bit of of media and the sensationalism of of privacy and different things like that that are happening that my organization is looking into. I'm sure your organization is looking into. What are what are things um, that really irk you about what is promoted, like even in mainstream media, not like like politically bent media, like you know things like. Uh, <laughs> Fox News or even sometimes even CNN like bent a certain way to like sensationalize but even just like local news and they're saying things what kind of what what irks you about that in terms of what they're saying about technology right now during this pandemic oh man um zoom (laughs) (laughs) yes I I spent one evening um educating or so I think educating people on social media twitter specifically on Zoom wasn't necessarily being hacked when you, when people had Zoom bombers. They oh, were the calling Zoom bombing. bombers. Um, yeah. But really, that's what it was, is that um, the first week of stay at home, everybody was gravitating towards Zoom, you know, your local gym, um, uh, really anything, anything that you can think of, people having game night. Um, but one in particular was gyms that, that I saw mostly. And they would publish their meeting invitation and their meeting ID publicly. So that's how I knew that this is kind of yeah. what was happening. So I started hearing about it on social media. And actually, I heard it on the news. It made the news, which is why I also went through a social media rabbit hole. But um, they were calling it hacking, Zoom hacking. And um, so I did some reading on it. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's not particularly it's hacking. Not really it's hacking. really just people sharing publicly and you know if you share something publicly people are going to find it and they're gonna mess with you um so that was one of them uh and it really i mean zoom may have its security flaws but i think part of it is that nobody really well a lot of people didn't take the time to learn um the impact of that and um so there was a lot of misconception yeah i think um that's part of the whole educating your um your your user base about like the whole overflow of like thinking about privacy 
um, comes out of that's a whole learning experience about privacy is like uh, you don't have to be a hacker you don't have to know like a code to properly secure things like even passwords <laughs> you know like mm -hmm. like um, you you just need to be in the know you just need um, an IT department or some people the cybersecurity folks in your organization to put out a policy or something that will get you 80%, 90% there. Um, so does that mean I need a password manager? Yes, we're, we're recommending that every staff member get a password manager to manage their passwords as they go in and out of different systems and as they pass um, data between our systems and other third-party systems. What kind of things do we need to be thinking about? Um, because everybody thinks it's a hacking, it's everything, everybody has, uh, uh, there's, the fear comes, the fear and anxiety comes from not understanding the process. Yeah, and behavior. Um, I think typically people are used to sharing things like that with, um, if you're an open organization, you're, you're used to sharing things on social media and whatnot. Um, there's really, you don't use a lot of technology, I would say, to broadcast your, um, or open technology, um, public-facing technology to broadcast. Um, workouts for yeah. gyms, for example, they're always behind authentication because you have to be a member to get to, um, to, to things like that. And going back to the password manager, I think it leads to um, behavior. Just personally, myself, uh, since I've gotten to use, a, since I started using a password manager, I have noticed that I have I, I create stronger passwords for everything, even if it's something that I don't necessarily care too much about. That nothing that has any super sensitive information on me. I put strong passwords on everything because I know that it's going to be stored in my password manager, and it's I don't necessarily have to remember it, so I don't yeah. reuse passwords. So be my behavior has changed because of password managers. So this is a great thing. Great thing. Yeah, exactly. Strongly recommend it. Well, um, that's all the time we have. Um, it's really good talking to you. Thanks. About IT. I know we talk about IT all the time, um, especially right after work. But I, I think one of the things that was the impetus to creating this episode was thinking about um, how like everybody, even out of our organization, is an end user for tech. And how do we get the word out that uh, people need to learn about tech? And the, the people that are responsible for that are this our IT departments and communications departments that need to work together. Is that what would you say about that that kind of like statement? Yeah, I I agree. Um, I think there's a lot to learn and there's a lot to be taught, and I think that there's a lot of collaboration that should and should happen between one end user in IT and communications um, and IT. Nice. Well. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I mean, I could talk about this. Well, yeah, so we'll maybe just have to have you back on a future episode. How's that? I'd love to. Cool. Well, you, will you tell our listeners how they can follow you on social media to hear all the cool things you're doing in IT and everything else that you do? I am on Instagram and Twitter at Photo. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us and thanks to our listeners for joining us as well. We'll see you again on another episode of the jaraguda.com podcast. Jaraguda.
Kommt.